Welcome, church. Good to be with you. Good to participate in worship. I needed that today, okay? Thank you for the, for the leadership up here on stage this morning. Thank you, uh, Spencer, for your words and your reminder. In fact, we're here in a series, The Kindness Challenge, Use Your Superpower. And by that, I mean if you're going to truly be kind, it's not going to come from within yourself, at least if you're anything like me. Okay, it's going to become, just as Spencer shared with us, because we are relying on God. We are putting our trust and our confidence in what God can do in us, and we're courageously, and we're making selections and choices by faith to be kind to other people. Again, this goes beyond niceness. And uh, I might say that uh, last week we, I put up a slide, go ahead and put up the next one here, as we talked about nixing the negatives. And I know we're in such a culture of negativity, and it's just so, I don't know about you, but I, I just, I feel entrapped by it so often. It, frankly, even within the church, not any one particular thing, it's just sort of an overhang that seems to always be out there. And so as we think about nixing the negatives, again, we've got to use our superpowers. And I don't know how you did on your equation last week. I got a little bit of feedback from some others as we did some basic math and tried to put the praises over the complaints and figure out what our ratio was. And and I, I had mentioned, I mentioned to somebody, I won't call out names, and I said, well, maybe you could be a, be a five, five praises for every complaint. And they said, no, I think it was more the other way around. It was one praise, five complaints, and I was a point two. Okay? So we're, 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 this, this is serious. This is serious, not just because Jeff's up here saying, be kind, but because I think we have a theological base. We have a way that we're called by God, just as Steve said to us a little earlier, to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so we rely on the Spirit in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit and come to that place of kindness again and again and again. I want to suggest this morning, as we talk about a piece of this, we're going to talk about praise, and by that, we obviously learn how to praise uh, from a lot of different places and settings, including our own, uh, our own family, of course, and our, probably our family has one of the biggest influences on whether you're one who praises well or not, and obviously, being in church settings, we learn to praise God. But I want to talk about it a little bit this morning from the standpoint of praising others, giving appropriate praise, sometimes even giving lavish praise to to other people. And I want to suggest it's a little bit like a catalytic converter on your car. That is, that, that praise creates a simple reaction. This is what a catalytic converter does that produces a great outcome. In other words, within the case of a catalytic converter, it reduces the carbon monoxide and hydrocarbons uh, that, that, are, that, are, that are outputted into, uh, through your exhaust pipe. And I want to suggest that praise is much that way, and we could use some other, other synonyms, appreciation, affirmation, positivity. They, they spark. They spark a reaction. It is a catalyst for kindness. 
in other words. But one might say that they're, they're really kind of two sides of the same coin, this praise and this kindness. I mean by that kindness as in actions toward others, but praise so often sets the stage. Sometimes it stands on, on its own, but I want to suggest that it's a little bit like it's the preparation of the meat before it goes on the grill, all right? It is a vital part of the cooking process. And there in the research of the book of The Kindness Challenge that I have referenced several times by Shanti Feldhahn, she has, has this exercise where you're, and some of you have signed up for this, this 30-day challenge of praise, and uh, she found that praise was monumental in determining how people felt about their relationships. You probably only have to think of a teacher or a boss to agree with that statement. In other words, her research said, and this, this was the stat before and after the 30-day kindness challenge, that and she basically tried to give some empirical data after putting this into practice. Let's say before your, did you feel loved and appreciated, and the idea was that you probably praised your partner or whoever this other person was that you decided to be, you're in relationship with one to two times per week. So there's still some praise there. And, the, and according to her statistics, before that time, did you feel loved and appreciated? 25% said I do. 75% after they took the kindness challenge. Here was the challenge to praise one or two times per day. And this made all the difference in terms of the relationship and how one felt about the relationship. Here's the big idea, church. Your praise of others is an active catalyst for kindness in your relationships. And we could talk about this socially, we could talk about this from a research point of view, we could talk about it from a human point of view. When, when kindness grows, relationships get better. I want to talk about it just for a few minutes from a biblical point of view, and that is glory to God is the goal of our lives. We know that, right? And here's the biblical fuel. Your praise of others increases glory to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. For you to affirm or appreciate or say something encouraging or kind to another person increases glory to God. Our praise of others is the clear path that not only honors them, but honors God and His creative power. And I might say it in the negative. That is indifference to another person or, or criticism of another person diminishes the glory to God. I'm not talking about things just on a human level here. That we, we live in this great cosmos of God's kingdom that is both the horizontal and the vertical, and we see it as Christians that way. So we bring honor to God by praising others. Isn't it possible, in fact, that God receives as much honor when we praise someone else 
as he does when we praise him directly. I'll let you think about that. But if you're a grandpa, you understand it. You understand it. If you're a parent, you understand this. That God receives as much honor when we praise someone as he does when we praise him directly. So you think about this in terms of God's creation. He says to his creation, it's good. It's good. The opening parts of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. It's very, very good. Here he is, direct praises of God's creation. And that they, the creation itself then gives clear testimony back to God. And his glory is given credit. You see, when the creation is praised, the creator is honored. Think of Psalm 19 that says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Isn't it saying that the brilliance and the beauty and the wonder and the mystery of the natural universe is a witness to God and His, and His glory? See, what I'm trying to say here is for in the same way our praise of others, God's, our praise of God's good that we see in other people directly glorifies God. And so we had our passage that was just read, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way. Let your light shine before others, you see. And, and can we be a part of helping fan the flame, fan the light, include, in, 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 increase the lumens in our brothers and sisters? So we're an encouragement of their light so that others might see the good deeds and praise and glorify, glorify, give glory to your Father in heaven. You think about it from uh, the way Jesus praises others. When he calls Nathaniel, he praises him as a man in whom there is no guile. I pray Jesus would say that about me. When Jesus describes his disciples as salt and light, for sure, it was aspirational because we knew their lives and we see, we see their lives in the gospel. But, but he was a possibility thinker and of affirmation of, of the God he saw in them that could, could be increased through this power of praise. And so he's a catalyst of praise to the sinful woman who is being criticized by Simon the Pharisee. But Jesus sees her differently and praises her and says, your faith has saved you, now go in peace. And to that unchurched, non-Jewish centurion soldier whose servant was sick, he praises him. Now, the Apostle Paul may be the master at this. We read through his letters, and every letter begins with praise. Praise to that church. And that church, in the lives of the those people and those churches, as we read through, we realize that their, their doctrine is messed up, their life is messed up, their, their, the, the church is messed up, and what does he do? He praises. Now, he does some other things, but I just want to, I want to, to, to see that and hear it. He'll, he'll say, you saints in Christ. He'll say, you beloved by God. He, he, to you holy ones in Christ Jesus. Uh, he praised the church so often and mostly because of who they were in Christ, as Jeremy already pointed out to us. And so it does seem like there are a couple of levels of praise. One, one, one part of this praise is uh, the level of, 
of praising any activity that reflects the image of God. Anytime you see the image of God in another person, there's praise there. This could be a person who's a follower of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus. When you're praising them, glory goes to God. There's another part of this as we see Christ living in those who have chosen to follow Christ. And we praise that. Then that is also honor being given to God. Imagine yourself as a young believer in the church at Philippi and just feeling irritated with others as you, Euodia and Syntyche seem to not be able to get along. You notice that in Philippians, in the book of Philippians. They seem to be irritated with others and they seem to be leaders and influencers in that church in Philippi. Or, or, or maybe you're just irritated in, right now in your own walk with Christ or your own relationships with your own family, all these ways. I just want you to bow right at this moment, to bow your head. And what I want to do is pray over you Paul's prayer of praise. And I want it to soak in to your heart. I thank my God. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, in the good news, from the first day until now. And I'm confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Don't you feel just a bit like a pancake with butter and syrup on both sides? I mean, as we're just loved by the Lord and God is glorified. You see, I, I want you to see this kindness. Praise someone for God's sake. Now, I'm going to get Eric to come up here in just a minute and uh, to illustrate and give some examples. And uh, Eric, I want you, you can head on up this way, but I want to give you three quick points before Eric comes up and finishes this out. And I'll tell you why I ask Eric to do this. Uh, he, he studied for years and years as a therapist the John Gottman and his institute, and, and it's particularly Gottman out of Seattle, focuses on, on marriage relationships and, and what brings people together in a marriage relationship. And it's just very interesting that the research of Shanti Feldhahn on kindness so closely aligns with John Gottman in terms of the things that are so valuable for people to be drawn together. Now, before he gets up, I want to give you three challenges to improve your capacity to praise. The first one is this. Sharpen your powers of observation. 
If we're not paying attention, we will not see it. And one of the big reasons we fail to praise others is the same reason we fail to praise God. We are oblivious and mostly self-preoccupied. And so we have to train our heart to train our eyes to see, as Philippians 4, 8 would say, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Number two, hone your descriptions of praise. What I mean by that is uh, grow your vocabulary. I mean, that's hard. How do we do that in a Twitter world? I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, that's cool, okay, or awesome, or emoji, emoji, okay, or thanks, THX, you know what I mean? Okay, I mean, those, those are okay. I mean, those are better than negative being critical, right? But how can we grow our language? Like my wife, she loves when she lo any occasion, but she'll like a poem from me. You say, well, I'm just really not a poem writer, and, and so on. Neither am I, okay? But, 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 but I kind of go through the work, because she's the love of my life. And, I, and, I, and I, it's kind of the anguish of my heart to do this, but we'll do it. We'll get there. I've written some pretty good ones through the years. Some of them I think she's even kept. We grow in our... You think about the Bible and its richness, church. Don't neglect it. Don't miss it. From beginning to end, we have in Scripture this treasure, this, this reservoir of ways to express praise. Praise to God. I mean, from, from the book of Genesis to the Proverbs to think about David in the Psalms to the Song of Solomon to the Apostle Paul. It's rich. And then thirdly, I want you to invite others to enjoy praise with you. Can't we do that? that is, uh, that's what we do in sports, right? I mean, so, you know, we're talking about the cards now, and we start to share about, the, you know, spring training and what's happening and looking forward to the season. Or I don't know about you, but if you're paying attention to the NCAA tournament, you know, uh, the, the, the Peacocks. Their peacocks are still in it, the St. Peter's peacocks. I mean, who can't be rooting for them? And so we find, we enjoy our praise with others. And if we do this with music, we do this with all different areas of our life, let's also charge this. It has a huge effect on our joy. Someone said that very few people sing Christmas song, Christmas carols by themselves. And I think there's a reason that we do that collectively. All right, here's the challenge. Eric, come on up to illustrate. You can change the culture of your family, of your connect group, of your workplace, of your church, if you will see it and say it and relish it for God's sake. feel a collective uh, feeling of disappointment because you were thinking, we're almost done with the sermon. And now there's another one. All right. <clears throat> I'll try to make this really uh, quick uh, just to kind of expand upon what uh, Jeff was talking about. And I love the theme of kindness uh, for this month. It dovetails with some books I've been reading by Richard Beck 
an Abilene Christian University professor. Uh, I've just fallen in love with his books. Uh, Unclean, The Stranger God. The weirdest one is Trains, Jesus, and Murder, The Gospel According to Johnny Cash. Uh, very good book, uh, just kind of weird. And then uh, Chasing Magic Eels, which I just started, and Jeff and I kind of had a conversation about that. But he talks a lot about this idea of kindness. And really, kindness is widening our circle of affection. Uh, the word kindness comes from kin. We tend to be kind to our kin, to those we feel kinship with. And that's natural. What's not natural is to expand that kinship. That's not natural. And we have to widen our circle of affection. And nothing does that better than gratitude. So I, Jeff used the word praise. I'm going to use the term gratitude or encouragement. And gratitude and encouragement widen our circle of affections. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to a little child, you're not going to lose your reward. And I always heard that growing up in terms of, ooh, I get to go to heaven. The more cups I give, the bigger my reward, the bigger the house that I'm going to get in heaven. Maybe. But I think he also meant you're not going to lose the effect here on earth. We're going to change the world just one little cup of cold water at a time. We all want to get out and cure cancer and solve all the world's problems, and that'd be great, but you really want to change the world, just be kind to people. And gratitude and encouragement widen that circle of affection. Gottman says that we are either in our marriages or individually, we're in one of three boxes. Nice, neutral, or nasty. Now, when you come to church, you're probably in a nice box, right? At least you fake it. Maybe you're in a neutral box. But a lot of us at home and in our private lives and in our cars and while we're waiting in line find ourselves in this nasty box. And that doesn't feel good. It's like a poison to us. And one of the ways we can pull out of that nasty box is gratitude. And when I'm in the nasty box, I, I don't want to do gratitude. My anger makes me want to justify my behavior. And I don't want to be grateful for my wife because she was wrong. She doesn't deserve me being grateful. Doesn't she see that she was wrong here? You know what comes easy is contempt. Gratitude does not come easy for me. And Gottman says that contempt is really believing that you're right and your partner's wrong. If you think that, that's contempt. And I would say, but Dr. Gottman, I really am right on this one. Uh-huh. Yep, that's contempt. If I think I'm right and my partner is right, that's not contempt. If they're right from where they stand and view the world, then we have cooperation. We have kinship. If I think I'm wrong and they're right, that may not be any better. That might be self-loathing. And so what gratitude and encouragement does is it relieves that pressure of contempt. But it's a discipline that you have to practice. It is not going to come naturally. Gratitude pulls us out of that nasty box. The antidote to contempt is gratitude. <clears throat> But it's a discipline. You talked about the ratio. We were gone last week on a little family weekend vacation. So I don't know about the ratio thing that you talked about, but I know what Gottman says. There are always positive and negative things happening in your relationship, not just marriage, in your friendship, in your parent-child relationship all the time. They're either positive or they're negative. A wink and a smile can be positive. A hug can be positive. It doesn't have to be words. Uh, that's negative. I just said you were stupid. I didn't say you were stupid. I said you were stupid. If you have a three to one, three positives to one negative ratio in your marriage, you'd think you'd be doing pretty good. What it produces is a stable, 
but unhappy relationship. If it's one-to-one, that's divorce. If you have one positive to every one negative, that couple ends up getting divorced. To have a successful, happy marriage, the ratio has to be eight to one. That means you have to work really hard because I don't have to make the negative ones happen. They're going to happen. I have to make the positive ones happen. Eight to one means you have to work really hard to have a good marriage. And if we translate that to a church, you have to work really hard to have a good church. Eight to one, positive to negative interactions. Gottman also talks about the magic six. If you skip to the end of the book on his seven principles for making marriage work, he talks about the magic six hours. Couples that he's followed for 40 years that are incredibly happy and committed and loving, they spend about six hours a week on their marriage. Six. And you say, well, I don't have that kind of time. I got young kids. I've got a busy job. You're already spending six hours a week on your marriage, ignoring, fighting, right? Let's spend that proactively. And one of the little things he says is every single day, you spend less than five minutes encouraging your spouse. Less than five minutes. It really takes two minutes. We're talking less than 30 minutes a week. Just finding one thing you can say, hey, I really appreciate the fact that you picked up dinner on the way home because I was exhausted and I had no idea what we were going to do. That meant a lot to me. How long did that take? 30 seconds? Just once a day will dramatically improve your relationship in your marriage, in your parenting, in your church relationships. It's moving from the will to oppose that we naturally have to the will to embrace. We naturally, when we meet somebody, we have a will to oppose them because we don't know them because they're not our kin. We need to move to the will to embrace those that we're not familiar with. It's the battle of good and evil. I talk about this at Camp Nietzsche all the time. The battle of good and evil is fought in my heart every day. It's not between me and someone of a different race. It's not between me and somebody from a different country. It's not between me and somebody of a different political party. It's between uh, encouragement, gratitude, and contempt. That's what I face every day in my heart. I've got to fight that battle. It's not between me and another person. I can choose gratitude or I can choose contempt. I naturally choose contempt. I have to discipline myself to choose gratitude. You really want to change the world? Go be kind. Uh, graduates, soon you're going to be out living life, being an adult. Most of your adult life is going to be spent standing in lines and running errands. <laughs> I had a day off Tuesday. I spent my day at the licensing office with my daughter, at the DMV after the licensing office, and then at Micro Center trying to get a computer fixed. My whole entire vacation day was spent standing in lines. While you're standing in line, can you be kind to somebody? Can you give a cup of cold water? Because we naturally result, uh, re resolve to frustration when we're standing in line. I do. I hate standing in line. It makes me grumpy. But while I'm standing in line, can I be kind to somebody? Can I find one thing to do to ease somebody else's burden? That's how you change the world. You're probably not going to cure cancer. Sorry. I mean, maybe you will. That'd be great if you did, because cancer's horrible. It affects my family. But just go be kind to somebody. While you're waiting in line most of your life, choose kindness. Try to encourage somebody. Kindness, uh, when we talk about it, kindness always has to precede our feelings. We get all up in our feelings, right? And I, I have feelings. I have a lot of them. And they're pretty intense sometimes. 
but I have to act kind. I can't worry about my feelings. I can't wait till my feelings are there to act kind. I always say in marriage therapy that it's like a truck and trailer. Our truck is the effort. Our feelings are the trailer. We drive the truck, and our feelings follow. It's hard to drive a truck and trailer backwards. I watched my dad do it every summer when we went camping, and apparently it's difficult because to go eight feet to back the camper into the slot took about four hours, and he and my mom would argue a lot about it, right? I've never tried it. I just know it's difficult. But if you drive it forward, it's not that hard at all. And so we can't get caught up in our feelings. We have to get caught up in our effort. I have married couples come to my office and say, I'm not sure I feel in love anymore. And I go, that's okay. I'm not worried about that. I know that if you put that effort back in, those feelings will come back. You drive the truck, and your feelings are going to follow that. You encourage somebody, you're going to feel better after the fact. I mean, when I encourage people, I get more out of it than they do. And I'm kind of a selfish person, so that works for me. I want to give you a formula. The second slide that Jeff put up there was about be specific. I don't know what it was. Can you put that second slide back up? Anyway, yeah, there you go. Hone your descriptions of praise. Um, I had a mentor friend who uh, she worked a, a little bit at CFS. She was much older. Uh, died the same week my mom died. I was not able to attend her funeral. That made me incredibly sad. But she taught me this encouragement formula, which is a very Adlerian thought. Because I'm a big, hey, good job guy. What does that tell you? Nothing. Nothing. Doesn't tell you anything. It tells you, I thought you did a good job, but it's not really helpful, right? She said encouragement should go like this. I really appreciate, I'm grateful for, I respect, or I admire the fact that you did fill in the blank because it shows that you are fill in the blank. That's impactful. So I'll close with this story, and we'll be done. Um, my daughter, Madeline, who's at Webster University, she's an art student, so she collects lots of things that she can use in her art. I like to throw away a lot of things that will not be used in her art. And uh, this is probably bad parenting on my part, but we gave the kids chores to do, and I put her in charge of taking out the recycling. Uh, most of it came back in the house. And I would always have to remind her, hey, don't you see the recycling spilling out on the floor? That's your cue that it needs to go outside. It was a constant battle. Well, one day, I'm in the kitchen, and unprompted, she picked up the recycling, took it outside, and emptied it. And I said, hey, Madeline, good job. And then I went, wait a second. I really appreciate the fact that you stopped to take out the recycling because it shows that you're becoming a really responsible kid. And she went, thanks. And I went, I know. Like, <laughs> we had a moment where I had to practice my parenting and elevate to something a little bit better. But that impacted her more deeply than a good job. So here's your task for today. Um, I want you, before you leave this church, to find somebody and use that formula to encourage them. I really appreciate, respect, admire, and grateful for the fact that you got up, Joyce, and talked about something that was important to you. Because what's important to you should be important to all of us. And I love your perspective and your courage and your willingness to help people. That's a lot better than, good job, Joyce. It means more. So before you leave, find somebody to encourage. Use that formula, because 
I saw you do this, and this is what it shows me, right? It's pretty simple. So find somebody and do that. 